Hello and welcome to Men in Progress, the podcast of the United Methodist Men of Treach here in Flower Mound, Texas. We're part of the Life Plus God podcast series from Treach Memorial United Methodist Church. And you're listening to episode 26, our February 2024 podcast from the men's group here at Treach. I'm your host, Dave Casey, and as we're all well aware, February is the month we celebrate love in all its forms. Romantic love, love among friends, and for our purposes today, love for people who we often don't even know. Now, normally our Men in Progress conversations are all guys, but in this episode called Love Wins, we decided it was time to up our game. In this episode, we have the extraordinary privilege of talking with three women leading some of the most exciting, loving, and successful nonprofits here in North Texas. Joining me to talk about love, sacrificial service, and giving back are Kim Beck, founder of Liberty Ministry, Denise Angarola, president and chair of She Supply, and Kim Cloud, founder of Cloud9 Charities. Ladies, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So before we jump into our broader discussion, I'd like each of you to give our listeners some background about the nonprofits you're leading and what your organizations do to help North Texas. Kim, let's start with Liberty Ministry. Tell us about Liberty Ministry. What's it all about? Well, I should probably start by sharing our mission statement, which is developing godly friendships to bring honor, hope, and healing to people with no homes. And the reason we say people with no homes as opposed to the homeless is because it's important to us that we recognize that they are people first. Ah, Uh, We have uh, James 125 as our uh, scripture, and we believe that God's law of love is liberty. So that's why we use that. And our two big hashtags are love your neighbor and make Jesus real. Well, those are fine. And a full disclosure, um, I'm honored to serve on the board of Liberty Ministry. <laughs> so I heartily agree with everything you uh, just no. said. <laughs> <laughs> Denise, tell us about She Supply. What, what's it all about? Yeah, She Supply is also a nonprofit. We're based here in Flower Mound. And our mission is to provide a sense of dignity and cleanliness to women and girls in need. We do that by providing free feminine hygiene products. And our goal is to end what we call period poverty in North Texas. And that is the continuous issue that women and girls face every month when they don't have proper hygiene products to take care of themselves every month. Wow. Now, I have to admit, so, you know, as a guy, I've, I never really, that problem never really crossed my radar. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I will say, a few years ago, um, I was mentoring at uh, Hedrick Middle School, close by here. And we asked the communities and schools folks, you know, is there anything that we can do to help? And that's exactly what came up. So we hooked Mm. them up with She Supply, and uh, um, it's a it's a tremendous charity. It's it's and again something that guys, most listeners of this podcast are going to be oblivious to. So so glad that you're here. Unless they have daughters. Well, there is that. True. Yes. Most people most people don't ever when you think about poverty or you think about where you could donate product or dollars, this part of the society need doesn't usually cross people's yeah, minds. exactly sure. right. Yeah. Sure. So Kim, tell us about Cloud9. Cloud9 Charities is 25 years old, and uh, wow. for the past 12 years, we've run a program called Bedtime Rescue, and we help families that have come upon crisis that are homeless and have lost their home to get into a temporary shelter super quick. Uh, by using local hotels, and then we help turn them on to other nonprofits who can help them long term. But ours is a band aid. I say always that it doesn't hurt our feelings to call us 
that, that um, usually a church, a policeman, another nonprofit or a school is who reaches out to us and lets us know about a family who is in need and we bring aid to them very quickly. Wow. So, you know, living in Flower Mound, we're kind of in a bubble and you wouldn't think that that's a needed thing. But clearly it is. It is. And it's it's about the number of crises that that family faces in a short period of time. It's not about even money necessarily or family or someone that did something wrong. It is um, a recent story today that uh, a family that we housed, the husband had been really, really sick. She was staying home taking care, lost her job suddenly. They find themselves yeah. in that crisis, Very and so circumstances. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's not about your typical homeless population. Right, this right. is this is different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the trauma that goes along with mm. losing your home, mm-hmm. um, and during crisis, during family support, and so yes. many of us have tightly knit support groups. Yes, yep. and sometimes with trauma and family support is not there. Yes, sure. absolutely. So all three of the areas that y'all serve, um, I think this this applies to every town, city in America, really, uh, even ones at affluent areas like ours. So thanks so much for uh, for sharing that all with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So now I'm going to like to go into more of a general discussion and uh, and better understand really the landscape for nonprofits right now and 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 how it is that you do what you do. So. Um, Let's just start there. How hard is it to run a nonprofit these days? You guys are running nonprofits. Yes, sir. Um, I think the strength of your board is super important. Uh. There is nothing about this that I do alone from our people who donate and support our charity to our board to our volunteers is huge. You volunteered for uh, for us at events. And um yeah, it's it's not easy anytime, but especially in today's plate, we have more families than ever that we're helping. Yeah, and there is a limit unless you have you know endless pockets, which yeah. no nonprofit does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I'll echo what Kim's saying. Um, just in the last, well, since COVID, honestly, I think we've seen an increase of need of like sixty percent wow. just in our little section. Wow. Um, and I think all three of us would agree that poverty is intersectional so you're one job loss away you're one car accident yes. away whatever yep. it happens to be even if people do have that three to six month safety net that expires very very quickly when you have no other source of income to replace it yes. and um, I think what at least what I'm seeing in our North Texas area is it's a different type of, um, of poverty it is acute very traumatic very um unexpected yes right and so um it's different than some of the cyclical issues that some of our nonprofits try to um take on and i think that's where um it's it's just become more difficult there are so many more people in need for so many items and so many parts of their life that you're seeing uh, micro nonprofits pop up to be able to serve that surgically um but there is a much greater and much more expensive extensive need and it's interesting. Um, you know, I've worked at uh, the CCA food pantry, and you know they don't—they have very few non-food food items, yeah. and uh, and certainly the things that you do in the feminine products mm-hmm. area—it's almost non-existent. Yeah. So it's uh, it's wonderful. When you think of Maslow's hierarchy as needs, exactly. right? You're trying to triage, yeah. you know, very yeah. quickly how to keep people safe and housed mm-hmm. and fed, yeah, and, and healthy, work <laughs> and healthy, and then start to work through everything else. Sure. But it becomes very um, stackable very quickly. Yep. Yeah. And I think the, the term triage and band-aid, uh, 
I can really relate to, and I know my partner Leanne White can too, that it many times that's all we're doing at that moment, mm-hmm. but that relationship is built and yes. it's the beginning of that relationship. And some of those last, you know, we've been doing this now for 10 years. Some of those relationships have lasted that long. Some we've lost touch with, but we can't underestimate the power of that one moment of sure. that bandaid or that triage moment sure. to be there. Yeah, yeah, it impacts the trajectory of somebody's lives. Sure. If you can be there in that moment of need, you really have no idea what kind of ripple effect that yeah. creates. And those people won't forget you, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's some, I think there's some common misperceptions about nonprofits. And I'm curious if you guys have seen any correlation about people's political, religious leanings for their support or lack of support for, for what you guys do. I hope not. I, I hope haven't. that we can't. I mean, we polarize so many things already. I really hope that we never get to a point where humanity is polarized, where you can't be empathetic to somebody in need. Um, And I think they're just, again, I think if nothing else since COVID, people have seen where the unexpected is happening much more frequently. Um, Corporate layoffs are happening just in this month of January. You're hearing about it, right? So it's, um, it's not if it's when and mm-hmm. i think people have be i'm hoping people have become much more empathetic and i i hope we never get to a point where politics or faith interrupt somebody's um dri- drive yeah, to, to serve help. or to yeah. give yeah but on the other side there are those that because they are politically leaning in a certain area they will support they will go there that is in their comfort zone or or faith that is in their comfort zone that but like you said, there hopefully that won't become an issue that they would back away. I can bury down pretty deep into the mission, you know, and, and be so focused on that that and I don't watch the news for a reason. Uh, I have to get up every day and lead, I'll get emotional, but lead 60 women that um, are working hard to support their families, many of them single moms, and then also to, to lead a nonprofit. And I don't want to know all your other stuff. Yeah. It's not what's important to me. Yeah. I, um, what's important to me is to be a good leader and to make a difference in my community and beyond. And so I just don't have an interest in if they don't support me, that's okay. Move along uh, because there's so many great people. I am yeah. so impressed with our community and the world in which I live. I, it's full of wonderful people. Yeah, that's wonder- That's great to hear. Well, and even with (laughs) with your business and you say 60 women, that's a service oriented business. So they Mm -hmm. already have a heart for service to begin with. Yes. I know with our daughter being in the same industry Mm -hmm. you are, it's a hard job. Yeah. And um, they do work hard, but it's all about serving. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So let's look at uh, this year. We're just coming into 2024. What's uh, what are your big goals for the year? Denise, I'll start with you. Um, one million more in 24. One we, million more oh, in 24. I like that. We were, um, we were just so um, humbled and honored in January 23 to be able to proudly say that we had distributed one million products since the beginning of She Supply, which was 2016. So it took us quite a bit to get there. Yeah. Um, but the but rate you're going, we, though, have you a, mm-hmm. yeah. we have an aggressive goal because there is just exorbitant need. Um, yeah. And so... We are doing everything we can within um, our local community here with corporate partners, with um, new and interesting donor opportunities, funding opportunities to be able to serve more women and girls. Um, We voted to add 40% more partners this year. So um, 
we have now over 20 partners, which is um, we the way we work, we distribute the products to partners like Salvation Army here in Louisville and others. That in and, turn distribute And they thousands. distribute the, par- um, the yeah. products to the clients that they serve. Wow. So we have, um, we knew that there was um, increasing need, so we will be serving many more partners this year in our goal to hit a million just in this calendar year. Wow. Wow. Well, one of the Kims, you got to take this next. (laughs) Okay. Um, I, I think the biggest goal for us is people to have a really clear understanding of exactly what we do. Yeah. That's, it's really tough as a nonprofit. And, um, we operated differently the first half of our, of our, you know, uh, years that we've been here and bedtime rescue, although it's, you know, 11 or 12 years old, it's still the newer part of what we do. And so people to just have a really clear understanding. So we've been doing that through, you know, social media and, and me and a couple other board members getting out and speaking, doing things like this. I want everyone when they hear it, not to say that, you know, it's great and they've been around a long time and they've done a lot, but I want them to say, and boy, they're housing 30 families every single month right here in Denton County. And it has exploded. It has exploded. And we've never had to say no. And I don't want 2024 to be a year that we have to. Yeah. It's one of those things that you, you wish that the need would go away. Oh, absolutely. I don't want to be busy. But you want to be there when there is the need. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 How cool would that be for her, our phone not to ring today or something? Yeah. Yeah. Kim, how about Liberty in this year? Well, I think for, for 2024, we'd really like to focus on more hands. Um, The need continues to grow um, with this recent inclement weather shelter, they were seeing a lot more women this time. And most of the folks that we serve, and we serve primarily the South Dallas community, most of the people we serve are my age. And I'm not going to tell you on on air how old (laughs) I am, but we see a lot of senior citizens, majority, and we are seeing more women now. Super. Well, it's, um, given that, I mean, is it, how do you keep from being discouraged as the need grows? You know, you know, again, your hope would be that it, that it declines, but as it grows, um, do you get overwhelmed with that at all? Absolutely. Every yeah. day. Yeah. Every day, because you know you can't touch, you can't serve everybody every month, and you do everything yeah. you can to plug those holes. But there, like I, I just keep saying, there is just such great need. And I think you have to dig really deep, and um, you have to really be called to your mission and I think for many days, when it's 14, 16, 18-hour days, um, that's that's what I rely on. Yeah, I am driven yeah. by that mission. My mother was one of nine, grew up in the welfare system. And, you know, I, I was fortunate that I'd never experienced that myself. But just knowing that somebody I loved was, was experiencing that, I have such a different, um, I come at it as a different perspective. Yeah, I always yeah. see my mother in the women and girls that we serve. And that just drives me every day. Yeah, that's, wow, that would drive you. And we have one of our services that we offer is when we have a relationship with someone who is homeless and they pursue housing, we don't do housing, but we will direct them to the agencies that will help them and we will be the squeaky wheel. But one of the services we offer them is to furnish their entire apartment from stem to stern. And that includes wall art and, and dishes and the things that they, they need. And we have a list that we go over. Do you need this? Do you want this? Is this something that would be helpful in your home? And 
when we have the opportunity to say someone say to someone who we have developed a relationship with as as we did recently with our friend Roxanne to say Roxanne you are so close to housing this is what we want to do for you we will put everything you need and want in your home to make it a home and to watch her face be so overwhelmed and surprised that we would do that for her and that's what keeps us going when it gets discouraging well you just answered part of my next question okay (laughs) So, so what is it that drew you to to do what you do so i'll start with kim you know how did kim cloud how did you how did you decide to start cloud nine charities i had someone uh very involved in the community told me that it is a responsibility of a person who is operating and has found success in their business to give back to the community. And so the very first thing I did was work at CCA in the pantry. She invited me to work at PD Place. I volunteered there. And then I was like, what can I do that would give back to the community, but would also highlight my business? And so we did that fashion show for 12 years and, yeah, yeah. and it did. It highlighted the talent that uh, resides at Cloud9, but it raised money for Cloud9 Charities. And when it raised money, I was like, uh-oh, I guess I better do <laughs> do a 501c3. And so we operated that way for many years, and other nonprofits would fill out a grant, and we would give them money. That's what we did. So we yeah. just did events, raised money, and gave it away until our this program was something that I accidentally discovered a need for and, and grew that. But I still... Uh, 45 years later in this community feel like it is my responsibility. I'm full um, because this community has blessed me and I've got to turn and and pay pay it back. Yep. And you've done a great job with it. I'll tell you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. The um, Kim uh, Beck, I have a little bit of inside knowledge (laughs) with yours (laughs) since I was there when we, uh, when we got the 501 C three designation, but what, what, what really sparked you to want to do what you do? Well, after 10 years of serving at the Texas Juvenile Justice Department uh, with young men um, with through Epiphany Ministries, these are men who are young men who are incarcerated on a felony offense. And I, during that ministry, really discovered how much poverty, generational poverty is in the prison system. And that also was working with Wesley Rankin, which is a center community center in West Dallas, which is underprivileged, under financial privilege, and got to working with them and really thought, people in my neighborhood don't know what real poverty is, and started studying that and working with that, and um, met a friend named Elizabeth, who has the Human Impact, which is a nonprofit also in our, the area that I serve, and went to spend some time on the street with her and I met a gentleman named Henry that day and I spent the whole day with Henry. Henry spent the whole day with me. Uh, We walked and talked. We went to the the quick shop there. I call it the quick shop. Oh my gosh, that dated me, didn't it? (laughs) The convenience store and uh, bought a pack of cigarettes and um, walked for some more. He shared his life story with me and I shared my life story with him. And at the end of the day, when we said our goodbyes, I realized I had to come back. I had a friend. I had to go back and and see Henry. And so that's what really drew me once a relationship was made. And 
60, 70 friends later who we've been able to really serve, um, you know, we're still here. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, Denise, do you remember the beginnings? Um, well, um, the beginning started right here at Treach. Wow. Um, my very dear friend, Kathy Meyer, her and Sherry Mays. Yeah. They were yeah. on a choir trip. And uh, Sherry had just, uh, through a friend, I, I, don't, I don't remember who sent it to her, but um, saw a YouTube video, and they were watching it on the bus about um, a person who was trying to maintain their cleanliness while they were experiencing mm-hmm. homelessness yeah. and the struggle. And before the end of that trip, they were determined to do something about it. They got to work quickly, researched um, you know, this type of need in LISD, uncovered there was a need, and within a year had uh, formed the 501C. And while that happened in 2016, I was living in Seattle at the time. I had been relocated from Flower Mound to there. And, um, I mean, there's there's nothing I wouldn't do for Kathy, right? So yeah. she called me up <laughs> and was asking me some questions. And when I moved back in 2018, I couldn't wait to just get my hands in, wow. really, wow. and start working. So I think the special occasion or story is really about um, – my gratitude to Kathy for, for really just taking that on and, and creating something wonderful and for thanking Treach for housing us for so many years, yeah. letting us come here and have our meetings and being so supportive in the early days. And um, all of those special moments have been able to sustain us now going into our um, seventh year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. crazy. So I, you know, what, what role does faith play in what you guys do? I mean, it's, it's certainly, uh, it's wonderful what you do, but how, how does faith affect you there? Uh, Kim, uh, well, Kim, there's uh, too many Kims. Kim, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll start forth. with you. I, I was raised a uh, Christian. I have, I was raised by a human cheerleader for my mm-hmm. mother. Um, and she, although she has passed, she is with me in so many ways. And, I just think that, um, you know, I, I start every morning with a, with a devotional and a Bible study to, to feel the right path. And my end of my prayer every single morning is, is use me Lord, because I, I have no idea who I'm going to just like all of us meet that day, maybe even in my chair. Um, and so I, I just, it's just how my life feels best is to start every day that way and to live my life helping other people. Yeah. Super. Kim Beck, how about you? I think it plays everything for me. Um, and I go back to the word serving all the time that to, to serve and to be served is, it's just such a gift and I think my life is much more complete when I am in service mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's good. One of the core values of She Supply is that our service flows out of our faith. Ah. Um, we have many different faiths represented in our board mm-hmm. and our volunteers. We certainly don't... Um, don't disc- discriminate with sure. who gets our product, right? And I think everybody comes to it, much like Kim just said, you know, with a servant leadership, um, they're they're called to that. And I know that my angels are always around me, directing me, you know, what to do, where to go. And I think I just, uh, again, having personal experience, um, hearing those stories with my mother and just just really being called from an early age to, to serve others, it's yeah. just, it's a constant. So um, I just think it's always something that has just driven me 
to be able to serve others and be in a position to be able be put in that path yeah, to be able yeah. to serve others. We see the opportunity. You were open to the opportunities yeah. for sure, for for sure. So um, I think many people are kind of led to think, "Hey, I I see some a need, and you know maybe I can do something or form an organization." So do you have any advice for people that <laughs> want to form a nonprofit and? Kind of what it is and isn't, and what you expected and didn't get, or or did get. Kim Beck, do you? <laughs> wow, I don't know. You just better know people like Dave Casey and Michael Tuggle <laughs> to know their stuff because yeah. um, I was such at a loss for this. Uh, if if you look at our logo and in the tiny portion of our logo, you'll see the initials DJB, and that stands for Danny Joe Bergen, who is no longer with us. But uh, Danny was moved somehow to um, to say to me one day, you know, I, I know you're still going to the prison, and I know you're going to the street, and I, and I know that takes money. And so here's some money. And he handed me a a, a check and he said, and I'm not going to the prison with you. And I sure as hell ain't going to the street with you. That's a quote. Um, And about six months later, he handed me another check and said, you know, keep, keep going, keep going. And in November of 2017, I believe, um, he said to me, I cannot keep making checks to Kim Beck. Um, you need to make this legal. And so for, for a while we called it our CP3O because we couldn't (laughs) remember the numbers, but then we formed, formed a board and, um, and Dave Casey was gracious to take, take under his wing of making sure we got the paperwork done and got our 501c3. And for our listeners, she's very legal. Everything's legal now. Everything's legal. Above the board. I think, yeah, I think, uh, it's really important. I, we, we need a couple of new board members, and uh, we had someone that just recently took on uh, actually running another nonprofit. And so you just love seeing people get their wings and doing yeah. their thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think like knowing where your hole is, like like uh, I know I need someone that can help me with uh, uh, knowing more about the corporate part of this community. Right. And because I'm not corporate, I'm I'm a small business self employed. And that's who you tend to kind of surround yourself with, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think just knowing what you need, um, I think I love mentorship and I don't do anything <laughs> without my mentors, as, as Dave knows. It's, it's saved my business, it's saved my life, and it's definitely saved the nonprofit is to ask people questions. Almost everyone I know would love to share. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that if you truly are interested in starting your own nonprofit, um, much like Kim just mentioned, I think I would advise somebody to spend a little time with an existing nonprofit mm-hmm. that's Correct. either yeah. in the space you're looking at or adjacent, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. there's that mm-hmm. degrees of separation knowledge that you, you don't get mm-hmm. otherwise. Um, there's there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of that administrative minutiae kind of things that you have to get right and legal. <laughs> um and sometimes people who are running the mission, if you're so mission focused, mm-hmm. you are on in the streets, you're with your clientele. Sometimes that administrative stuff is 
is on the back burner. Yeah. Right? So you need that balance. You need to understand how that plays into it. And you also have to understand a lot about how to sustain your nonprofit. And that only comes with relationships and mm-hmm. donors and, and making sure that you have a continuous opportunity to connect those two parties together to sustain your nonprofit. Yeah, and I, I liken it in the business world. I spend a lot of time in the business world. And um, there's a phrase that they say, you have to work on your business, not in your mm-hmm. business. Right. Yes. And I think it's the same. You have the passion for a nonprofit, but at the same time, it has to be self-sustaining. It has to have a life you of have its own. You have to run it like it's a business. A business. You, you it have is. to run it like a business. Yeah. We're, we're having those conversations yeah. right now a lot because of our our event that would be 12 years this year. It's time for it to make some changes. And mm-hmm. the only thing that drives that knowledge is looking at the numbers. And yeah. I am a numbers yeah. freak, and I love <laughs> watching the numbers. And if you're watching them and they're changing, yep. then you've got to make those adjustments. And and that's why your board is so important. They yeah. tell you the truth sometimes even when you don't see it yourself. <laughs> well, I, I, think- I think the only other thing that's challenging, at least from my perspective, is um, in our in our nonprofit, everybody is a volunteer. Right. No, and it's no different. paid staff. If it's different yeah. when you have employees, right? right? Yeah. You, yeah. Can, you know, you can ask certain things yeah. of an employee that you can't ask of a volunteer. And so um, just know that as a leader of the nonprofit or on the board, you are spending significant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, everybody is volunteer. Sure. So yeah. I think for a lot of people, they, they don't see, you know, they don't necessarily recognize that part that there's, well, there's quite a bit. And it's interesting. Donors, I know, um, I think people have a little a bit of a misperception that uh, it has to be an all volunteer deal for it to be a truly a nonprofit, you know, that they don't like <laughs> yeah. nonprofits that actually have paid staff. Right. The problem is paid staff at a certain scale, paid staff are very necessary and much more efficient than a bunch of volunteers right. trying to do a job that a professional should be doing. Yeah. Um, the other question I had is it, with all three of y'all is, is, uh, um, you know, there are a lot of nonprofits out there, and a lot of the names don't aren't very significant. She supplies very significant. You understand exactly what she supply does. but um, And there's overlap between nonprofits. And how do you guys manage that? Where you, you know, how do you, how do you decide this is what we should be doing? And you may get a request and you say, this is not what we do, but we might know somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have we do have one paid uh, person on our on our uh, Cloud Nine Charity yeah. staff, I guess, and she's who answers the phone. Right. It is the most important thing. She's a retired police officer. Her name is Patty. Um, she also something new that she's doing that I love because I don't meet the families that we help. Um, we get a phone call and, and it's done so quickly, um, but. I've started asking her to give me a story about every single family that we help. And so it's only been happening for a couple of weeks. And, oh, my gosh, you talk about, you know, warming your heart and understanding exactly the need um, and hearing the story. But um, there is some overlap. And uh, one of the one of the things we did, gosh, probably about five years ago is we made up a form that our hotels have and it gives them the next phone call to make. Because we can only help for a certain amount of weeks. Uh, Then it becomes resident stuff with the hotels, right? So it's not even necessarily our rules, but it's rules that we have to follow. And so we want them to have um, that. And then, you know, people call me probably a 
couple of phone calls a day of, hey, I cleaned out my closet and I've got all these clothes. Well, I don't have anywhere to put those clothes, but I, I now have three or four different nonprofits that I give the phone number and just kind sure. of circulate that. So there is some overlap for sure. Yeah. And those are great partnerships. Mm -hmm. I know there's, I mentioned earlier, uh, the human impact. And we, we kind of joke that the human impact is like Liberty Ministry on steroids because they do have employees. They serve the same people we do. And it is it is wonderful for us to be able to have that connection with them because there are people that they serve who are now housed and people that we are friends with also so that if we can't be there, they mm -hmm. can or vice versa. Uh, for example, we have a gentleman in the hospital right now and uh, tomorrow there will be somebody from the Human Impact and there will be somebody from Liberty Ministry, Leanne, who will sit with Bobby while he's in the hospital. And by the way, you can pray for Bobby. He had a lot of health problems. But um, those are relationships that we need. You know, we also deal with helping hands, open hearts. They are the people who are out on the street feeding clothing. That's not a service that Liberty Ministry provides. So it's nice that we have that connection. And again, we serve some of the same people right. and yeah. can keep up with each other. And I think our donors appreciate that, right? Because as a donor, you have a finite amount of charitable sure. funds to spend. And so um, if you have like service-oriented um, uh, nonprofits in the space, it is great to know that they partner either for overlap or for adjacent services, much like mm -hmm. Kim was sharing. Um, and I think as you explain that to the donors or you share that out, um, there's a certain appreciation of that. And I think it's a fantastic way to bring partnerships in and for, you know, for the next stage of growth, or if you're, if we're running, if we're experiencing a low month financially or otherwise, I know that I have a partner somewhere else that can support the people in need. Yeah. Um, and I think most nonprofits, um, especially when they're small like us, you really don't have a choice but to partner because yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't, you just don't well, have resources. Well, and you're focused on what you're doing because right. you're, if you're there, you're going to get asked for more. Right. So it's always good to have other right. resources. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned kind of uh, growth and, and uh, I'll tie into that and just say, where do you guys see your nonprofits five years from now? So Denise, I'll start with you. What, what do you think the future holds? I mean, if I go back to our first part of our discussion, yeah. I would love to work ourselves out of a role. I yeah. would love for the situation to be solved, but um, I don't know how realistic that is in the f next five years, but I would love to see um, policy changes at the state level, the school level, so those needs are provided, and then we can really focus on people who are um, displaced through housing or coming home. We have a lot of uh, female veterans that come home that, that are unhoused and have issues, um, and we'd be able to serve many more communities. Right now we are in primarily four counties. We would love to be able to expand. Um, that does take resources. That yep. takes perhaps a full-time paid <laughs> staff, you know, at least right. one person. Um, and I think it, a lot of that would come down to um, how we expand with the corporate partnerships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just to build it that way. Yeah. Kim, how about at Liberty Ministry? Five years from now. <laughs> We've had these conversations. We've at had the these board. conversations, <laughs> and it, and I, I will. I I mean, I'll just be yeah. real transparent here. Um, I told you I wasn't going to say my age, but I'm 67. Yeah. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We've been at it for 10 years, and I'd love to say that 
we will go another 10 years, but only God knows what he has in store for us. And Liberty Ministry may change. It may yeah. be a different type of ministry sure. to people who are homeless than it is right now. Well, you know, in the baseball world, you know, you, you hear those <laughs> words, we're going younger at your position. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. So, you know, we, we be out, we may be out recruiting mm-hmm. yeah, to look there. In five years, gosh, uh, I want to have thought of the most amazing event ever done <laughs> for a nonprofit I love it. that takes little work, few volunteers, <laughs> and lets us help 100 families a month instead of 30. We we put on uh, the big event for us in October's Best Little Brew Fest in Texas that I mentioned earlier, and um, the numbers aren't there, and so we know it needs change. Uh-huh. And there are nine of our board members who have met. I think this past Monday was our fourth meeting, and we it's, it's such a creative group. We have so many ideas that we promised ourselves that this coming Monday we have to pick something and move forward with it. And then we do a golf tournament and it is very successful and it does require very little work. So, you know, you're like, okay, do we don't just do two golf, you know, I don't know, but I, I never, I never want to call Patty and say, Hey, this month let's only house 20 people. So you, you've either got to increase your donors, you've got to, I don't, I don't know. We don't spend anything except on hotels so and events. And so I just never want it to end. I also would love, you know, my son stands by my side every day at the sure. salon and I would love him, but his passion is a little bit different than mine. He has one, but it's different. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm 62 and, um, you know, this is a lot of work yeah, yeah. and, and I, I, I want to go see the world. Yeah. That's that's my <laughs> retirement. I, I hope I've put in my my responsibility and done my thing sure. to where I feel like I can go do that without any guilt. Yeah, you know, yeah. no guilt. Well, and it's interesting. I think that there's a um, in any in any role, and, and this goes in the business world, but certainly in in nonprofits. I'm involved with five nonprofits, mm-hmm. and whenever you take a position within an organization, I think it's very important to start recruiting for your replacement Absolutely. immediately. It's so true, Dave. You know? And it, sometimes it takes a long time yeah. to find your replacement. So it, it, it's, uh, it's worth doing. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go around now and just, just kind of say, um, and I'll start with, with uh, Kim Beck on this, is um, what do you most want people to know about those that are unhoused or, or just recently housed? We'll go back to the the people thing. Um, the community we serve and the friends—that's how we refer to our yeah. Our I, love, people. I love that term too. The yeah. friends that we serve are all so different, uh, come from so many different backgrounds. Um, one of the first people Leanne met on the street, she her, she had this preconceived notion of who the homeless mm-hmm. as we you know typically hear it referred yeah. to um she had this preconceived notion that this person came out and was talking to her and was so brilliant and was using vocabulary that she went wait a minute what? i don't know what that word means and and we have other friends who have come from literally nothing They've never, they're generational poverty beyond what they've even known. You know, mama was, lived in poverty, granny lived in poverty, and who knows what, what happened before that. That 
some of our friends are, they're people. They're just like yeah, you and yeah. me when friends. it comes down <laughs> to their core. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Tim is, is one of our, our friends that I think has surprised us the most when you first meet Tim and Dave, you've, you've yeah. met him a couple of yeah. times. Um, he comes across as being kind of a, pardon the expression, kind of a sad person, more of a recluse. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Yeah. He has uh, three his, degrees. His ma- yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one of his master's in landscape architecture, yeah. but the bottom fell out. Yeah. And I, I think most of us have this preconceived notion of any group mm-hmm. of people and um, just want, want everyone to know that it could be someone in your family. It Absolutely. could be someone that you've worked with that has been homeless previously. And you just you just don't know. And we are seeing more homelessness here in Louisville, Flower Mound, Highland Village. It's more visible now than mm-hmm. it's ever been before. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Denise, how about what what would you most like our listeners to know about you know, women and girls that have that have experienced sure. period poverty. So I'll tag on to um, something that an Oscar-winning uh, documentary, period, end of sentence, um, has coined. A period should end a sentence, not a girl's education yeah. or a woman's career. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, much to Kim's point, we are seeing just, you know, increases everywhere of people in need. Um, the latest stats in Texas follow the national average now. One in three girls miss school monthly mm-hmm. because they don't have product. One in three women miss regular work, interviews, other events. Um, so both of those have a significant um, negative impact on the trajectory of somebody's life. Sure. And we also know, I think the three of us will agree, poverty is intersectional. <laughs> and you are... Uh, we talked about you are just one step away mm-hmm. from something falling out. You know, that gentleman yeah. with three degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you, know, you could have multiple people in your family, multi-generational families um, living. And a lot of people who are unhoused are working two, three jobs. They're living out of their car or they're, you know, living in, in alternative um, accommodations. And they are working. And I think that's another misperception. Yep. But maybe you can't afford the cost of a product because you have to pay for your bus fare to get to one of your three jobs. Um, and I think that's, again, as you look around your community, uh, the one thing I always like to tell people, even in just LISD, you know, there are so many students who are on free or reduced lunch. And yep. if our average carries out, there's one in three girls within any Louisville campus, LISD campus at any given month, who is either missing school or using something that is mm. not hygienic Correct. Yeah. for her health. And her mother may be missing work, may be missing opportunities. Um, and it just becomes um, a stacking event, yeah. right? And it yeah. becomes problematic month after month. Tim, how about the folks that you serve? Yeah, I'd love yeah. to tell you that this was my idea, but I actually was watching 60 Minutes uh, when we started Bedtime Rescue, and this gentleman's wife had passed away, and he lost his home. He had lost 
missed a lot of work, uh, was, had, had unfinished. A, he was a contractor. He had a job that wasn't complete. He, his reputation was hurting. Anyway, he turned his work van, uh, into a home for him and his two children. He had a senior daughter and a boy that was like 10 at the age at the time. And, um, he made these little beds that sprung down from the sides. And every morning he took her to a local, you know, a gas station to, to get ready in the, in the restroom. And she was on the honor roll and, um, they gathered all the homeless children in this very, what we would consider affluent, uh, you know, neighborhood and everyone was shocked. And I was that, that they had this many homeless children in this school. And I started wondering, I wonder how many we have registered in LISD. And all I started doing was gathering information and, and came across communities in school right. and realized that they help in so many different ways. And I said, what do you think the biggest need is? And she said, our children are sleeping in their cars. They're sleeping at a, I thought, which I thought was really smart, apartment complex when they close at night, go into the workout studios and things like that. Right. And it's amazing how a, a mother or a father who has come across right. that can get really creative on where they're sleeping. But in that research, it, it was just placed in my lap and on my heart that this is what I was supposed to be doing, doing with it. And so I just know that, um, the continue that's going to continue, um, as our, you know, economy is hurting and things like that. Um, the family, one of the stories that, that, um, Patty shared with me this week is a single dad with a one-year-old daughter and he's putting himself through, uh, He's taking some sort of, of uh, class, and he so he was parking at the school and hiding there and was found with his daughter, and so we got him into a local hotel. Um, he's trying to get this degree, a uh, little trade school you know, license done so that he can provide for her, but he just needs help in between. And yeah, so yeah. that I think that's so, so much of a part of what we're all doing is just uh, filling in the gaps. Filling wow, in the gaps. Wow. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Um, this is a conversation we should have had months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, and thanks so much for what your organizations do. So given that, I'd like to have, again, the folks that listen uh, know a good way to get a hold of you all and, and how to how to find out more. So Denise, how, what's the best way to find out more about She sure. Supply? Our website, shesupply.org, um, is the best way to learn more about what we do, there's a great donate button on there. <laughs> uh, we have an Amazon wish list. If you prefer to donate products, that will come directly like to our storage unit. Wow. Wow. Um, you can learn all about um, our board members and um, the work that we do in the community, our different partners. Great. Kim, how about Liberty Ministry? Uh, Liberty Ministry website, just like she supply. Um, we are liberty slash ministry dot org. And we have um, all of our board members are listed on there and some pictures of our friends that we have served in the past. And um, all of the information, including donation, is is on our website. But our Facebook page really has a lot more photos of when we have housing. Uh, We've just started doing a Bible study at Austin Street Center. I say just. Uh, We were asked in November of 22 if we would start doing some kind of weekly program 
uh, for the folks that are sheltered there. And we said, well, think about it, pray about it, see what we can come up with, and decided that in January of 2023, for four weeks, we would do a Bible study. And we're still there. <laughs> so... Um, and it's growing. I and, was there a couple and, weeks yes, ago. Yes, yeah. and and we do need yeah. we do need additional folks to uh, to come and just sit in with yeah. the group, and we bring coffee and snacks, and you're welcome to join in the coffee and wow. snacks as well. Nice. So, Kim Cloud, if you don't get any local newspapers, if you don't read anything online, <laughs> how would you ever know about? Oh uh, uh, gosh, Cloud just Nine Ministries. Stop by and and, t- and we'll chat. No, uh, we are Cloud Nine Charities and it's the number nine, not spelled out. Cloud Nine Charities and I would say the most important thing, besides the donate button, is um, finding out what's coming up. So, April eighth is our golf tournament at Lantana, and we need golfers. And then on October the 19th this year is our event in Louisville. I can't even tell you what that event's going to look like, yeah. but maybe by Monday, I'll right, be able to, it will be right. a festival and it will be fun. Oh, but that's, um, oh, that's a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just, just staying plugged in to what we have coming up is what I would ask people right. to do. Well, super. Well, th- ladies, thanks again for joining us on this episode. Um, really enjoyed the wisdom and learning more and more about what y'all do. And we look forward to you guys having a successful and uh, and hopefully a very lucrative 2024. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have it. Episode 26 of Men in Progress. We hope you enjoyed our discussion about how love is winning in North Texas. Thanks to the efforts of nonprofits like Cloud9 Charities, She Supply, and Liberty Ministry. We invite you to join us for our podcast in March when our topic will be the H-bomb, how hypocrisy is damaging the church. It always has. Thank you again to Kim Cloud, Denise Angarola, and Kim Beck for joining me. And thanks to everyone listening to Men in Progress from the United Methodist Men of Treach here in Flower Mound, Texas. I'm Dave Casey. We'll see you next time. This episode of the Men in Progress podcast is sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in or near Flower Mound, Texas on any Sunday morning, we would love to welcome you to any of the Treach services. Or you can follow our services anytime on our Facebook page or at tmumc.org.